Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Father, we love you and we thank you. We are so grateful for your presence here with us today. We are so thankful for all of the hundreds, even thousands of families that are joining us today for church. We pray that this would not, that what happens in this room would not be limited to this room, but that it would break through all the living rooms, all the kitchens, if you're watching this in the bathroom, <laughs> it would break through to the bathroom. We would just be able to feel your presence in an amazing way today. We give you all the glory and the honor. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, well, welcome to Journey Church Online. My name is JJ, and I have the honor and privilege of serving our church as pastor alongside my wife, Liz. And if it is your first time here today, we want to welcome you. You are a VIP. We are so glad that you chose to tune in on YouTube, Facebook, podcast, wherever you're hearing this. And we want to make you feel at home. So we're going to ask everybody in the room, come on, can we put our hands together real quickly for all those? Yeah. Hey, online is a very interactive experience. So if I say something good, you go ahead and, and shout, high five your neighbor. If you and that neighbor are related and it's okay, or if you're six feet apart, you can physically distance high five. If you want to shout at the screen, if you're running cameras today, you want to shout, go ahead and make some noise. We're just so excited that, uh, that we get to gather today. Man, God is doing some pretty special things uh, online. I want to give a quick praise report and then we'll go right into the message. We track a lot of things at Journey Church. We track how many people coming through the door. We track how many kids uh, that we, we can lead and minister to. One of the most important numbers that we track are how many people make a decision to follow Jesus, to give him their life. Because we believe that if you get that right, you get everything right. That when you put God first in your life, everything follows. And in 2019, we tracked that number and it was over 200 people. Over 200 people in 2019. That's amazing. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to uh, report that we're not even four months in to 2020 and we already seen over 200 people make decisions for Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. I know this whole coronavirus, COVID-19, kind of being away from everybody has been tough, but God has used this. God has used this to change lives, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for your generosity making this happen. What took 12 months to accomplish last year, God has done in not even four through this very medium. And so uh, we don't take it for granted. It's gonna be a great day when we can meet again. Come on, somebody. I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm getting desperate. I'm itching to be in a room with a lot of people. I really, really am. Um, but uh, in the meantime, we are not gonna waste this season. We're not gonna put this season on the shelf. We're gonna use it for everything that God allows us to. So that being said, I'm ready to go right into the message today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 23. You can turn at home, but chances are you're not gonna turn. Chances are you're just gonna wait for the verse to pop up on the screen. And that's cool. That's one of the benefits of watching uh, church uh, online. Um, today's message is founded on a simple verse, uh, but a timeless principle. And the simple verse goes like this, 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 23. It says, 
the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and their faithfulness. Here's the principle. If I do what's right, in the end, I'll get a reward. How many people believe that? If I do what's right and I'm faithful and I do it for a long time, in the end, I'm going to get a reward. And if there's anybody who believed that, it was definitely the man we want to talk about today was definitely David. David definitely believed that. He always did what was right in spite of the circumstances. When his father ignored him, he did what was right anyway. He, he stood with the sheep and he was a shepherd and he, he, gave his, he, fought, he almost fought with his life against bears and lions and tigers and oh my and all that other stuff. And, and he did that, and he did that. He did what was right, even though you ignore me, I'm still gonna do what's right, even though you ignore me. His brothers never liked him, and when they were in war and they were starving, his father asked David to bring bread, and David did it. He said, I'm gonna do what's right, even though you ignore me, I'm gonna do what's right, even though you hate me. He, not only did he bring bread, but when the nine-foot giant named Goliath stood in front of the people of Israel uh, and he threatened the people of Israel, David grabbed a bunch of rocks, grabbed the sling, and said, I'm gonna knock out that giant. I'm gonna do what's right even if it scares me. And against King Saul, who was the one that he served, the one that he fought for, the one that he gave his life for, Saul got jealous. King Saul got jealous because he thought David was after the throne. Saul tried to assassinate him two times. Saul tried to kill him many more times after that. He chased him. And this story that we're reading right now is an opportunity when David had to kill Saul and didn't do it because what David was saying was, I'm gonna do what's right even if you don't. It's not easy doing what's right. Doing what's right can be hard. But David had a promise. David had a reward waiting for him at the end of it, and that promise was to be a king. That promise was a reward that he would become a king one day. And he said, if I just keep plugging away and if I just keep doing what's right, I know one day I'm gonna receive that promise. And I think you believe this too. I think you do. I think you believe if you do the right thing, one day eventually it's gonna pay off. I think you believe that if you raise your kids the right way, that when they get older, they'll do the right thing. I think you believe that if you take your vitamins and you work out five days a week, that in the end you will be healthy. I think you believe that if you work hard, in the end you won't have to worry about money. And it's a great theory, and it's a great principle, and it's true. And it's awesome until <laughs> you actually do it. <laughs> until you actually raise those kids. And then one day when they're outside playing with their friends, they say a word. And you're like, well, where did you learn <laughs> that, that word? I never taught you that. I did the right things. I took you to Journey Kids. And we read the Bible. Where did you learn that word until you were the best mom, the best dad ever, but she still got pregnant at 17. You did the right thing, but you didn't get the right result, and it can be frustrating. You, you take all your vitamins, you eat all the things you're supposed to, you're a vegetarian, but in the shower, you still feel a lump. And you go, but hold on. I did the right thing. Why is it not showing up the right way? I worked hard all my life, but then the economy shuts down and you thought you'd never have to worry about money because you worked so well, you were such a faithful employee, but it's really even out of your employer's hands. It didn't happen. I wanna speak to anybody today. I'm preaching to anybody today. Listen to me. You're in the process. You believe in the promise, but you don't see the progress. I'm gonna say it again. You're in the process. You believe in the promise, but you don't see 
the progress. If that's you, David can relate because he knows what it's like to spend a whole life doing the right thing, the right way, being faithful and having nothing to show for it. A life of faithfulness, slaying Goliath, not taking Saul's life when he could. And what does he have to show for it? Right now, when we enter into his story, he is a fugitive on the run. He has very few friends. The friends that he had turned their back on him. He's not any closer to the, the kingdom than he was before becoming king than he was before. He's frustrated. He's alone. He's hurt. And it's getting to him. He's starting to doubt because look what he says here in 1 Samuel 27, verse 1. This is just a couple of verses after what we read first. He says, but David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hands of Saul. That's so interesting to me. Because just a couple verses before that, he was like, the Lord rewards the righteous and the faithful. And a couple verses after that, he's like, he's about to kill me. I'm pretty sure <laughs> this is it. I'm going to die. It's going to be over. And I love it for two reasons. Number one, I love it because I love how he can declare one thing publicly with confidence but doubt it privately to himself. Uh, can I be honest? There are times when I preach things to you with a lot more confidence than I preach them to myself. If I can just be real right now, I'll be like, God's gonna come through. He's never gonna let you down. And I go home and talk to Liz and I'm like, I think we're gonna die. I don't think he's gonna come through. And, and I can have a lot of confidence publicly, but have a lot of doubt privately. And I think there's people like that. You've been, we're gonna make it. Here's my favorite one. God's got this. <laughs> we'll say it over and over and over again. But even as we say it, we stutter. Even as we say it, we take a deep breath. And I love it because I can relate to him. I love that people, that God puts real people in the Bible. The second reason I love it is because he's saying all these things in 1 Samuel chapter 27. I might not make it. But in 2 Samuel chapter 1, he becomes king. In chapter 2, he becomes king. Here's what's cool to me. Chapter 27 in my Bible is only two pages away from chapter 2 in 2 Samuel. I wish I could shout down to David in time and go, hey, bro, don't worry. You're about to make it. You're almost there. You're closer than you think. Here's what I would tell him, and it's the title of my sermon today. I would tell him, don't stop believing. Come on. Don't stop believing. Hey, and yes, I just titled a sermon after an 80s <laughs> rock song written by a band named Journey preaching at a church named Journey. Come on, you don't get, you don't get, you don't get high quality preaching like that in most places. That's like double points for doing that combination right there. Except my title is, is, isn't Don't Stop Believing. It's Don't Stop, comma, Believe In. Don't stop, comma, believe in. You are closer, look at me, look at me right now. <laughs> you are closer than you think. Don't stop, believe in. I wanna give you my, my first point. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse four through seven. This was after David is scared about Saul. He runs away to the Philistines, his enemy, and he goes to the king of Gath. His name is Achish, and he says this. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. Then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. So on that day, Achish gave him Ziklag, and it has belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. Verse seven is key. So David settled 
in Philistine territory a year and four months. Here's my, my first point. If you want to keep believing, you need to learn to settle in. Settle in. Settle in. You got to understand the context of what's happening. Um, David has been on the run from Saul for a while now. And he's just been living wherever he can live. And soldiers are starting to come to him. And in the beginning, when all these soldiers started coming to him, there was no problem because we all bachelors and it's all good. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to flush. I don't have to sweep up. It's just a bunch of dudes just, just killing people, you know, like an army, just doing what we do. It's cool. But as time goes on, these soldiers start marrying having kids, David included. All of a sudden, it's not a group of bachelors anymore. Now we got women and children. And so now David is still a fugitive, but he can't live in caves no more, which is a problem because he's been casting a vision of for castles while living in caves. And now he goes, listen, guys, I know you've been with me for a long time, but um, I think it's going to be a while. So instead of just living wherever, let's go settle in. Until God does what God said that he would do. Have you ever been in a situation where you've told yourself, I think, I think this is going to be a while. <laughs> I think this is going to be a, a while. Have you ever decided to save for a house? You're like, I'm tired of renting. I want to buy a house, man. And then you go online, and then you look at the prices. You're like, okay, cool, cool. How does this loan thing work? And then you're like, well, you should probably have 20% down. And you're like, okay, that's cool. And then you go to your savings account, and you go, hmm, I think, I think this is going to be a while. Baby, let's just buy some more furniture for this, right, what we got right here. Let's just kind of settle, let's just settle in a little bit because I don't know if we're going anywhere. Have you ever gotten on a, a treadmill for one hour and then looked at the light at the bottom? And Jumar said, nope. <laughs> and the bottom, and the bottom at the light, that tells you how many calories you burn. It says 300 calories. After one hour, you go, woo. 300 calories and then you go home and you find out <laughs> that the equivalents of 300 calories are two cookies. <laughs> you just spend an hour on that thing. You go, hmm, you know what? I guess I think um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a while. Have you ever told yourself, you know what? This is it. I'm starting to make money. I'm going to get out of debt. Woo, getting out of debt. And then you look at how much debt you have. <laughs> and you go, hmm, I think this is going to be a while. Uh, a while, as Pastor Joey would say. A while. He said, the Bible says that David settled in Philistine territory. The Philistines were his enemy. It takes a lot of, it's frustrating to settle, to settle in enemy territory, to settle in a place in life that is not ideal. Very frustrating. I hate settling. Settling is like the number one thing I hate in life. It's like the devil, <laughs> cats, and then settling. I say settling, <laughs> settling. My cat lovers out there, I apologize. But settling, man, I never settle in my life. I don't, I don't settle with my body. I don't settle with my mind. I never settled in school. I don't settle with my, my children. I didn't settle for a woman. Come on, baby. I see you on that camera right there. You look good. I never settled. You was a catch, girl. I never settled. But one of the hardest lessons for me to learn in this season, I'd bite my nails, but I touched something on the way in here. I just, one of the hardest lessons for me to learn, listen, is that sometimes, you're not going to like this, 
settling is the right thing to do. Ugh. I don't like that. Because I don't like, I'm not supposed, they told me my whole life I'm not supposed to settle. But I understand, looking at David, that there is a right and a wrong way to settle. There is a way to settle that frustrates, and there is a way to settle that frees. And you gotta settle the way that frees. What's the difference? Let me tell you what the difference is. When David settled, he did not say, this is the key phrase, he did not say, not ever. When he settled in Ziklag, he wasn't saying, that's it, king, not ever. It's over. You know how I know he didn't believe not ever? Because if he really believed not ever, he would have disbanded the army. He would have told everybody to go home. Guys, this is not ever going to happen. Go to your own homes, go to your own places, do what you gotta do. This is not ever gonna happen. But he held on to the army as if he knew that he would need them later. That's good. Just not right now. But I'm gonna need you one day. Here's what he did. He traded his not ever for not yet. Oh, that's so good. You got to learn to exchange and trade every time a sentence comes into your head and says, I am not ever. You got to learn to trade and exchange and substitute not ever for not yet. Not yet is how you settle the right way. Not, it's not, I'm not ever going to be mentally healthy. It's, I'm not healthy yet. It's not, I'm, I'm not ever going to find love again. No, it's, it's I have not found love, not yet, because I have not yet learned to love myself, and I have not yet learned to love God the way I'm supposed to love God. It's not not ever, it's not yet. It's not I'm not ever going to break this addiction. It's I haven't broke this addiction yet. Come on, somebody, that's a word for somebody. You gotta exchange, you gotta exchange. Listen, it's not about, well, you know, I had dreams and I don't wanna sell. Nobody's telling you to give those up. Listen, I'm not saying don't stop believing in your dream. I'm saying don't, I'm saying stop believing in your deadline. Don't stop believing in your dream. Stop believing in your deadline. I know you thought you'd be in your career by now and have life figured out by 20. <laughs> I know you thought that. But can you just surrender that deadline right now, okay? I know you thought that you'd be married and kids at, at 30, but, but can you just surrender that deadline? I'm not asking you to give up on the promise. I'm just asking you to lay down the deadline. I know you thought you'd be retired by 45. <laughs> but you might need to lay that deadline down. What you thought your life would be, don't give up on the dream, just give up on the deadline. Because God doesn't do deadlines, he does destinies. And sometimes destinies don't line up with deadlines. But just because his destiny for you didn't line up with your, de your deadline for yourself does not mean he has forgotten the destiny. He still has the promise. He's still gonna do it at the right time. But you gotta trust him. Where do you get all these deadlines from? I know where, other people. The expectation that other people, all the people on your social feeds, all the people that you're comparing yourself to, but you're not them. There's no time limit on you. And on that, I heard every woman on the other side of that camera tell me right now, I heard every woman still praying for a baby to say, well, actually, I got a little thing called the biological clock. And my biological clock got a deadline past the JJ, which to that I will respond, ask Abraham and Sarah about the biological clock. 
Ask the woman who had a baby at 90 about her biological clock. I don't have, I got an iPad right here and it's so cool because right now my iPad says a certain time on it. But you know what's cool? Because I own this iPad, I can actually go to the settings and I can make it anytime I want because I control this iPad. Do you know that you serve the one who controls time itself? It might be late for you, but all he got to do is go into a couple of settings and you can do more in, in God's timing than you can on yourself. He controls time. God's never late. He's always on time. Give it up. Give it up. You, it's not that you're not ever going to have a baby. You just don't have a baby yet. It's not that your business will never do good. It's just not doing good yet. And by the way, you got to believe in this not yet because what's the alternative? Settle in or get fed up. Settle in or give up. Or the third one, which is the worst, but I'll, I'll intro the third one with a little story. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but um, in last week's sermon, you can go to on YouTube, my, uh, my left eye, <laughs> there was something wrong with my left eye. I had a sty. You're laughing like you knew it. Did you know that? Did you see it? Were you wondering? You were looking at, they were kind enough not to bring it up. I was a little insecure about it. I don't know if you saw, you saw it. You didn't, say, you didn't say anything about it. I appreciate it. I had a sty in my eye. And not just one sty, it turns out I had two styes. I don't know if you ever had a sty, it's like a pimple underneath your eye, they're very painful. And I started applying hot compresses and all this, and I thought I gotta get it because it was swollen. And I was like, I gotta be on camera in two days. So day one, I did compress stuff, and then day one, Liz, you know, she's like, I think I can help. I'm like, will you pray for me? She's like, no, <laughs> essential oils. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm desperate. I got to be in front of a camera in two days. So what you got? So she got this oil and she put it on. And the first day she put it on with this thing called the carrier oil. And a carrier oil is just an oil that helps kind of dilute the concentration of the main oil. It's what carries the, the healing oil into whatever part of the body that's doing it. And so she did it the first day and then I woke up and nothing. It just wasn't working. It got a little bit better. It got a little bit better, but not a lot better. And now I'm a day away. And my eye, another sty came out. And now in another part of my eye. And then Liz is like, all right, lay down. I got this. And I'm like, all right, what you gonna do? She's like, I'm gonna put it on with no carrier oil. I'm gonna just put the oil directly on. By the way, <laughs> I had to ask for permission to share this story. <laughs> like, like, this morning, because <laughs> you were just trying to help. Let me, my wife was just trying to help. She was learning, you know. Just what I'm saying, don't judge her. She's just a great. She, I said yes at the end of the day. It's my fault. And so she takes the oil and she puts it directly on my eyelid, to which I feel instant burning. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, babe, uh, it's burning. And she looked back at me and she said, that's how you know it's working. <laughs> but your boy been alive long enough to know when something is burning in a good way and when something is burning in a bad way. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, this ain't normal. And so I got, I got out and I, and I, I run to the, to, the, to the sink. By this time, my whole left eye is on fire. And long story short, I wake up in the morning. Not only is my eye now swollen, but it's red. It burned my eyelid. So my entire left eye is now swollen and red. And I got to record that day. So
saying? We start rubbing aloe vera on it and all this stuff. Come on. We got out the, the anointing oil. We're like, this is the only essential oil. I need somebody. It's the anointing oil. And, uh, and you know, long story short, my face looked like what it looks like. Here's why I share that story. Because the only thing worse than settling down is speeding up. You try and speed up a process that's supposed to take a certain amount of time and you will get burned. You will get burned. The old preacher once said, the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had. I believe that with all of my heart. It's interesting to me too that I got burned because I took out the carrier oil. In other words, Liz, Liz, because she's the one that did it. Liz took out the carrier oil and said, I'm gonna carry the oil myself. Ah. When you get out of God's timing, when it's not happening fast enough to you, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I'm gonna do this myself. I'm gonna take it into my hands. And when you take it into your hands, you take it out of God's hands. When, when David had the opportunity to take that spear and stab Saul with it and take the kingdom into his hands, he said, mm -mm -mm, I'm not gonna be the one that does this. I'm not taking this into my own hands because if I take this into my hands, I take it out of God's hands. I'm talking to somebody right now who's getting the itch, somebody who's rushing into a relationship that you know isn't good for you, someone who's trying to make money real quick but you know it's a little bit shady. Don't take your finances out of his hands. Don't take your relationship status out of his hands. Don't take your business out of his hands. Don't take your peace or patience out of his hands. Leave it in his hands because he can do more when it's in his hands than you can in your hands. That was the time to clap and to shout and to give God praise. You can make up for it right now. Go ahead. That's good. That's good. That's good. Here's the, here's the next point. Very important. First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 1 through 2. These were the men who came to David at Ziklag. Remember, Ziklag is the place. Ziklag is the place where David's at. This is where he's waiting. This is where he's doubting the progress, right? While he was banished from the presence of Saul, son of Kish, there were among the warriors, there were among the warriors who helped him in battle. So, so warriors started to come to him while he was at Ziklag. And these guys, they could fight, man. They were armed with bows, were able to shoot arrows or sling stones with right hands or left hands. They were ambidextrous. They were relatives of Saul. How about that? And some of the people that came to him were relatives of his enemy from the tribe of, of Benjamin. Verse 22, and day after day, men came to help David until he had a great army, like the army of God. You know, it's great when God sends people into your life. I don't know about you. I would not have made it today if I did not have people in my life encouraging me and cheering me on. The problem is people are great encouragers. People are funny. People are loving. People are the best. Here's the problem with people. You can't always count on people. People, I love you. You're just not that reliable. And there's nothing against you. It's just the nature of being a human being. You can't always be there for me. Like right now, physical distancing, it's not even your fault. But you can't hug me right now. You can't high five me right now. It's just the nature. I'm not mad. By the way, I'd rather have people in my life, even if they're unreliable, than to try to do this all by myself. So I'm not knocking community or people or virtual small groups. They're all great. They're just not reliable. You can't always count on them to get the encouragement that you need to get through. And I'm so glad that David's story goes through something similar because here's what happens in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. I wanted to let you know that a bunch of people came to him, but then the very people that came to him, look at this, verse 6. There's this band of raiders called the Amalekites. They come in while David and his army are gone and they take all the women, all the children, all the animals. They take everything. And then David and his warriors show up to, this, to their home 
Ziklag where they're waiting in enemy territory, but it's theirs and there's nothing. It's all gone. The, the houses are on smoke. It's smoke, they're on fire. Everything's going bad. Here's what chapter 30, verse six says. And David was greatly distressed for the people. <laughs> I'll tell you about people, right? The same people that were praising him, the same people that had his back, the same people that went to war, the left hand, the right hand, Saul's relatives, and the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughters. But David, oof, encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Oh my gosh. You have to learn how to encourage yourself. That's my second point. But not encourage, E-N. Encourage, I-N. You gotta learn how to encourage when you can't get any encouragement from outside, you gotta learn how to encourage yourself. I joke with the whole shout me down thing, but you know what the truth is? I don't need you to shout me down because I can shout down myself. That's a good preaching, JJ. I like that point, amen. I don't need you to do it for me because I can do it to myself. I'm just saying, somebody on the other side of this camera, you need to clap for your own cooking. <laughs> you, I know it's just, I know, I, I know it's just a hot pocket. <laughs> But it came out good. And at one second more, it'd have been too hot. One second less, it'd have been too cold. It was perfect. You need a good job, me. I don't care if anybody else says it. I did it for myself. That's what I'm talking about. When you get ready to go outside, when you're allowed to again, and you get all dressed up, don't worry about who thinks you look good. Listen, whistle at yourself in the mirror before you leave. Just talk about... You look good, boy. You look good, girl. You need to encourage yourself. Encouragement is great. We all need it to survive. But if you don't get it from your spouse, if you don't get it from your parent, if you don't get it from a sibling, if you don't get it from a friend, if nobody comments on your photos, if you don't get it from an employer, if you don't get it from an employee, just go ahead and give it to yourself. You got to learn how to encourage Encourage. I'm grateful for the people in my life. I don't know who you're watching this sermon with today, but I just need you to look over at that person if you're watching it with somebody and tell them, I love you. Everybody say, I love you. <laughs> and I'm grateful for you. <laughs> but if you never text me, all right, we can stop doing that. But, but if you never text me, I swear, if you text me, I'll appreciate it. But if you don't, I'm good. <laughs> if, you, if you like my photos, I'm grateful. But if you don't, I'm, I'm good. If you forget, if you get busy, if you got something on your plate, if you got to go to work and it was my birthday and you missed it, that's okay. I'm not going to put that pressure on you because I can encourage myself. Encourage. I can do it. There's a problem with encouraging. And the problem isn't that you don't know how to speak to yourself. The problem is that you don't know how to stop listening to yourself. Because you got one narrative you're trying to push down, but while you're trying to push down one positive narrative, you got another negative narrative coming out. The issue isn't that we don't know how to talk to ourselves, it's that we can't stop listening to us. Have you heard yourself lately during this whole crisis? I can't tell you how many emails I get asking if this is the end of the world. How many, what is the conversation like in your head with you right now? I, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I don't think I can do it. And all the versions of it's not enough, I'm not enough. The problem is, can I be real? Your positivity has an expiration date. You, you can only speak to yourself in a good way for so long until the negative draws all the energy out of your positive. How many people know what I'm talking about? Yes. 
You can say it to yourself over and over, but at some point you just go, just shut up, you. <laughs> it's not going to be better. Things aren't going to improve. And you start just calling yourself a liar. <laughs> right? You run out of energy and the negative just comes out. What do we do? Same thing David did. That's why the Bible doesn't say that David encouraged himself. Had he done that, we would have been at a loss because we've done that and it dies out. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's a different sentence altogether because you can encourage yourself by yourself for a season. But when you run out of energy, you got to get in to someone else who can encourage you when you can't encourage yourself. How many people know what these are right here? AirPods. This is the glory. This is the glory. <laughs> what this says. I love my AirPods. I got some beef with Apple. If I'm honest, I think that they have intentionally made them easy to lose so that you can buy more. Don't, don't, don't at me, Apple, about your find my AirPods function. It, that don't work, okay? Somebody needs to fix that Amen. over there. <laughs> guy who runs Apple, what's his name? We know, you know who you are. That guy. That guy. Yeah, with the face. Tim something. <laughs> Cook. John. <laughs> Tim John. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Cook. Fix it, bro. Anyway, um, Android's not that much better, William, okay? Android's not that much better. I love these. I love these. I take them everywhere. There's only one place in the world where I don't just take these. Airplanes. Because I take a lot of long trips. And I can't survive in an airplane without a distraction. Let me just tell you what. <laughs> the babies, the children, and I'm always going to Orlando. So all the Mickey fans... Do you like living in Orlando? Do you know Mickey? Don't know him. He's a fake cartoon. <laughs> Hate to break your heart, child. He's not real. <laughs> um, and so uh, the way I get by is headphones. Well, I just put these things in. Woo! Sorry, can't hear you, you know, in my own world. The problem is if the flight is too long, I run out of energy. And when I run out of energy, I can't stop the outside voices I can't stop the drama. I can't stop the craziness. So when I go on planes, I don't just pack this. I kick it old school. Only on planes will you ever see me. One of these right here. Let's go. And this is, no, and this is the, this is the, the one with this thing at the end. You know what I'm talking about? The headphone. You don't even know what this is, children? <laughs> Little children, do you know what this is? This is... Back in the day, no. <laughs> this is a headphone jack, and I carry this because when my phone dies and when my AirPods die, thank God that most of the times when I fly on the plane, there's a little TV on the back of my, and I know it's old school, but the only way to block out the noise is to take this little thing right here and plug in to that big thing right there, and that will keep me sane the whole ride, the whole ride. You know why? Because even though my AirPods ran out of power, and even though my phone ran out of power, I was able to plug in to a greater a greater power, a power that don't run out, a power that can make it the entire trip. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about today, and I know that it's old school, but I think sometimes we got to plug in yes. to a higher 
power. I'm just saying when it gets crazy, you, that's, that's why I read my Bible. If you're not a Christian, this is why I read my Bible. My Bible is my nose-canceling headphones. <laughs> when there's so much drama and there's so much craziness, I just plug in and hear, sorry, devil, I can't hear you. Too busy reading about my destiny. Sorry, fear, can't hear you. Too busy reading about how God protects me. Sorry, bills, I see you, but I can't hear you because I'm too busy reading about how Jehovah Jireh is my provider, how he owns all the silver and the gold and the thousand cattle on the hills. Sorry, sorry, weakness, I can't hear you. I know I sinned and I know that I failed, but I'm too busy plugged into his grace that says every time I make a mistake, he forgives me that no matter what I do, he loves me. I'm plugged in and I can't hear you. I can't hear you. If you don't go to church today, if you're watching this, you're just starting to get plugged in. Listen to me. This is what the Bible's for. I don't know what you think you'll read when you open it. <laughs> I feel like you're afraid. Like, man, if I read it, I'm gonna find out that I'm doing bad things. You already know you're doing bad things. Here's what you'll find out if you read it, that someone died for those bad things, that somebody paid the price for those bad things. So we made it real easy for you. We're leveraging technology right now. We got, not show notes, but we have a description right under the video, and I put in the description box with a bunch of links, there's one link that says 40 encouraging verses. It's already set. If you don't know the Bible, if you don't read it, just click on that link and you're gonna read 40 verses that are gonna speak life to you. And you're gonna go, just put these in here. Just put them, just put them in and block out all the noise. Amen? Amen. Encourage yourself. I wanna close here, 2 Samuel chapter one, verses one through two, verse four and verse 10, but it'll all sound like one passage when I jump around. David returned from striking down the Amalekites. Ooh, he got them. They took everything from him. He went and got it back. There's a whole song we used to sing back in the day. Martin, you remember that song? I went to the enemy's camp. Don't play it. It's old, it's gospel. And I took back what he stole from me. That's what David did. He took it back, he took it back. And he stayed in Ziklag two days, but on the third day, oof, whole thing about that. We don't go there, we don't have time. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp. From whose camp? Saul's camp. Saul the king, right? Saul the king. With his clothes torn and dust on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. What happened, David asked? Tell me, tell me. The men, they fled from battle. Many of them, they fell and they died. And Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. And I took the crown that was on, took the what? The crown, the crown that belongs to the who? Saul. That was on his head and the band that was on his arm. And I have brought them here to my Lord. Wow. You missed it. The crown that he was chasing his whole life. <laughs> the crown that he was chasing his whole life. The thing that he thought was at the end of his righteousness and his faithfulness. The reward that he thought he was getting to came to him. He came to him. He didn't have to fight for it. He didn't have to strive for it. He just had to keep believing. And it came to him. Man, well, that story encourages me like nothing else encourages me right now. I think it can also 
almost set up a false narrative for us because so many of us are expecting our promise to show up like that Amazon box that is waiting for you at home right now. You'd be like, how does he know that there's an Amazon box in front of my house right now? Spirit of prophecy, bro. I always tell you, I, just, I can see right now. <laughs> Some of us are waiting to wake up one day, hear the bell ring. Who is there? Thank you, Jesus. But there was a process on how that package got to your door. There was a process. There was a four-step process. First, you had to get on Amazon and find something that you like. Right? That's the vision. That's the dream. You see it, you want it. You know what that is. So you need to process this at home. What's that thing that you really want, that you've been asking the Lord for? And the crazy thing is not even material. You're probably asking for things inside. Once you want it, then you got to pay for it. That's the process. You got to have to pay for it. You have to pay for it. And then after you pay for it, you open it up in front of your house. Right? No. No. No, no, no. Right? I mean, you, you, you see what you want. I feel like I'm missing something. You pay for it, and then you open it up. We all want to open it up, right? Some of us don't like to pay the price, but we'll do it. And we all want it. But I'm missing a step. What's in between me paying for it and me opening it? Them delivering it. Oof. Good God. We delivery. And in the delivery, I can't see it. But I gotta believe that it's coming. And delivery is the most stressful part of the Amazon process. So stressful, in fact, that they invented tracking. <laughs> Tracking's not for them. <laughs> Tracking is for you. So you could chill. So you could settle in. So you could be encouraged. The only problem is, <laughs> God did not enable tracking on your promise. God did not enable tracking on your destiny. God did not enable tracking on your dream. And before there was tracking, when you bought something online, you didn't get a tracking number. All you got was a piece of paper or an email document that said it has been paid and it's coming. And we had a name for that piece of paper or that document. It was called an invoice. But invoice isn't my last point. So you can write it down, but it's not the point. <laughs> it's what that invoice gave you. That invoice gave you something so special. That invoice gave you insight. That's my third point. Insight. You don't have the package. You don't know when it's coming. But you got evidence that has been paid for and confirmation that it's on its way. The invoice has given you insight. You can see something that's not there. Let me try and explain it to you a little way with an illustration. Can you see me at home? If you can see me, <laughs> type in the chat box. I can see you. I can see you. Just type it in. I can, I can see you. You can see me. That's great. Wish I could see you. I can't. But you can see me. That's cool. But can you see me? Now. No, you can't. You can't. You can't see me now. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> and because you can't see me now, 
you're only left to one logical conclusion. And that is, because you can't see me, I have left the building. Because you can't see me, I am not here. And most people come to that conclusion. God, I can't see you in this crisis. You must not be here. God, I can't see you in the turmoil. You must not be here. But now you, you're not afraid. You're not nervous. You're not worried. Why? Because even though you can't see me, you've got insight. What is insight? Insight is way better. Just coming back, just so you know that I'm here. I'm still here. This is just for you because I know you're freaking out. Is something wrong with my TV? No, I'm still here. And God's still here too. Let me, let me come back. You can't see me, but you got, you're not worried because you've got insight. And what is insight? Let me tell you what insight is not. Insight is not seeing what others can't see. Insight is seeing what others don't know. I say it again. Insight is not seeing what others can't see. Seeing what others can't see, it's seeing what others don't know. And what do you know? Ooh, you know what my voice sounds like. And because you know what my voice sounds like, even though you can't see me, you know that I have not left. Even though you can't see me, you know that I'm still with you. Now you see me, now you don't. Now you see me, now you don't. For a lot of people, this is what God is right now in this season. You wake up one morning, it's like, oh God, I see you. Thank you for being here today. Stimulus check came in. I see you, Lord. I see you, God. I see you. I see you. Then you get a bill and the exact amount of the stimulus check and you go, now, now you don't. Now you see me. Now you don't. And so many Christians live their lives in that, in that up and down. But you got a weapon. You got insight. I might not be able to see you out there. I might not be able to see you out there in my circumstances. I might not be able to see you out there in my situation. I might not be able to see you out there in the separation between me and my wife. I might not be able to see you out there in the debt. I might not be able to see you out there. But I don't got to see you out there because I can see you in here. I got an invoice. I got a voice on the inside side that tells me that I'm not alone, that tells me I'm not forsaken, that tells me that you've never abandoned me, that tells me you'll always be there, that tells me that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not life, not death, not the devil, not hell, not pain, not hurt, not brokenness, nothing. And so even though I can't see you, I hear you, and I believe that you're with me. And I wanted to tell you today, the last thing that keeps you believing is believing that he's with you even when you can't see him, feel them or experience them. Yeah, that's good. I know you're with me. I know you're with me. So I put my trust in you today. We're going to go back into worship in a moment. Just to recap, don't stop. Believe in. Settle in. It's going to be a while. Let's make this place our home. It's okay. It's not not ever. It's just not yet. You got to encourage yourself. Speak to yourself. Preach to yourself. And you got to rely on your insight, not what you see, but what you know, what you know. Uh, and we're going to worship, but I feel like right now there are people watching. You don't know Jesus. Like, you know a little bit about Jesus, died on the cross. And, but the more I preach about him, like, like I know somebody. You, you, you haven't met somebody that when they talk about God, it's not like they're talking about a God, but like they're talking about 
like somebody they just had lunch with. Like you can hear them always like, I know him. Listen, you're so close to knowing him too. You're almost there. I know, I know, I know you feel desperate. I know you feel broken, but you're like, you're like right there. Don't stop. Believe in. Believe in. Believe in. Believe in. Somebody's been praying for you. Somebody's been praying for you. I think a part of what's going on right now is to bring you back home. So if that's you right now and you can hear me preaching, you see me, do you want to make a decision to follow Jesus? Give him more of your life? Start fresh? Past erased? To jump on this journey of believing? If that's you, when I say three, don't worry about who's watching. Don't worry about who's watching with you. It's not about them. It's about you right now and your journey. When I say three, in everyone's presence right there, just raise your right hand and say, I need you, Jesus, in my life because I was about to quit. I can hear, I can feel it. Somebody on the other side of this camera is getting hard to believe. Listen, that life's worth living. This is your chance. Somebody on the other side of this camera was starting to believe that they'll never be happy. This is your chance. Believe in the Son of God who came to give you a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, no matter where you are in this journey. That's you when I say three. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the studio, in the room today, on three. If you need Jesus, shoot your right hand up to the sky all over this place, all over those rooms. Holy Spirit, you're here. I did what I could do. Camera people did what they could do. Musicians did what they could do. The singers did what they could do. The hosts did what they could do. Now, Holy Spirit, we need you to do what only you can do. Tug on that heart. Open those doors. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, when I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky right now. One, two, three. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I need you, Jesus. Come on. I see it. I see it. I see it. I know it. I, I got insight. I, I know right now God's touching your heart. If that's you, you can put your hand, keep it up a little bit longer, just waiting for some people. Go ahead and put it down. We want to pray a prayer with you. If you're in the studio, would you pray this prayer with me? Let's join them in the spirit right now. Everybody who's coming back home to Jesus. Father God, it's getting scary. Don't know if I'm going to make it. But today, I choose to not stop and to keep believing. Today, I believe in you. I believe in your love for me. I believe in your plan for me. I believe in your work in my life. I believe in you. And I know you believe in me. Take my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.